Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 33 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined in person by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Good evening, college football fans. Yes, and happy holidays to all of you. We are actually recording this late on uh, Christmas Day, uh, Christmas night, I guess you'd say, um, December 25th, and we're doing our um, pre-bowl game discussion for the... Uh, the New Year's Six and the college football playoff games, as well as the upcoming UCLA-Nebraska game. What's the bowl called? It's called the uh, uh, Foster Farm Bowl. The Foster Farm Bowl. All <laughs> right. So we're going to be giving our breakdowns and predictions on all of those games. Uh, but before we get into that, we have to do as tradition and crack a cold beverage. Yes. Nice cold beer that we can enjoy uh, together rather than being so distant. That's true. Yes. This is kind of nice because... Back home know, again. Yeah. The early podcasts, you know, during the summer, we were together. We were able to do these in person and we had to do the Skype while I was in LA, but I'm back for a couple, uh, about 10 days or so here to hang out with the fam. So we get to do these in person, which will be fun. Yes. All right. So... Um, We'll dive into the meat of the show first thing first, the UCLA-Nebraska game. And let's just talk a bit about um, what's happened since the last time we podcast in terms of both teams, you know, preparations, uh, players coming back from injury, what what the indications seem to be. I know that the uh, spread for the game is minus 6.5 mm-hmm. uh, in UCLA's favor right. for this right. game. right. And as far as the game is tomorrow night, uh, December 26th, late late night, but uh, only game at that time frame. And it's on a Saturday night, so hopefully it'll get a, a fairly good number. And especially with, uh, you know, a couple of schools like Nebraska and UCLA, a couple of traditional schools that uh, didn't have great years, but, uh, but sure uh, enjoy playing each other, have some history together. So all of those things make for it being a, kind of an interesting game. Um, mm-hmm. But... As far as um, Nebraska's readiness for the game, you know, I, I think it's uh, very up in the air in, in trying to gather data from the reports from practice uh, of the various news media outlets. I have gotten kind of a conflicting message, to be honest with you. I have gotten indications that you know, the guys are really focused and ready to go. And health-wise, other than one of our uh, linebackers, um, uh, Marcus Newby, uh, we are fairly healthy, uh, except for those that are, you know, gone for the season. So from a, a, a team health standpoint, we're in great shape. But And I believe that's true also for UCLA in terms of um, injuries that were recoverable, if you will. Now, they have some major losses that they had, much like we did, uh, throughout the season, uh, where those players obviously are not going to be back in time for the game. Uh, 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 mm-hmm. Mile, uh, uh, oh boy, his name is uh, escaping me right now from UCLA. Uh, Jack is his last name. Uh, he was a, a jack of all trades, pardon the pun. <laughs> uh, but uh, but he was, uh, I think it's Miles Jack. But the bottom line is he is not going to be back for the game. Mm-hmm. Additionally, one of the great areas of concern for UCLA is their offensive line. Uh, they have just had a number of you know, weird injuries, uh, season-ending type injuries. They've also had some departures. They had, they had a starter, uh, I think he was a guard or like their right guard, quit the team and decided to go pro early, signed a contract with an agent, and immediately started preparing for you know, senior bowl or, or I mean, uh, you know. The uh, combine. Yeah, right, basically preparing for the NFL draft. And so Mm -hmm. he left the team. So 
they are very thin on the offensive line at, at UCLA. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you were talking to me yesterday about how hey, there have been some odd signs from the team in terms of some of the seniors uh, and some players not being um, as all in, both for this bowl game and for uh, Riley in general. We've heard some rumors about how you know there were some people on the team who were still kind of in the bow camp, you know, and weren't weren't ready to make the Riley transition. Right, and and throughout the season that has been an area of question, and I think there certainly is some validity to that. I don't know how much that translates to how they performed on the field, but I, I definitely know that there are, there are some issues like that, and and frankly, on any team, even championship teams, you can't have 120, 130 people together. Uh, for that long and not have some people and personality conflicts between players, uh, between coaches and players, between coaches and coaches. Those are all parts of the dynamic of a football team. Oh, yeah. But what I was bringing up was that in terms of the guys being ready to go to this game, you know, my perspective is that the people on the team should be overjoyed because we're lucky to be even in a game bowl game with a five win season. Mm-hmm. And not only that, we ended up, up going to that Detroit bowl that we thought we might be going to and said they're going to the to San Francisco to play, right. which is UCLA. And, yeah. Right. Right. Which is much more prestigious, you know, and a cooler place for the players to go visit and all of that. So right. on all those accounts, you know, it's a more, it's a more enticing prospect than some of the others we had. Now, in terms of the difficulty of our opponent, that's also increased. Right, UCLA right. is definitely going to be a tough team to beat, but uh, I don't see why they shouldn't be excited. Yeah, no, I and I agree with you. But yet, you know, again, you don't always know what what's going on with the team. And like I said earlier, the 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 reality is that there are, there seems to be some mixed messages coming out of uh, the the media. You know. Um, that follows the Huskers. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that that same uh, inconsistent message has what I've read from the UCLA media. They seem to also be a little all over the map in terms of what they expect from the UCLA squad. But the difference is, in my mind, they're an eight and four team, you know, so they, and there's, they were preseason expected to be better than they were. So I could understand a little bit of disappointment amongst their staff. And certainly we expect to be better earlier in the season too. We expect to have a five win season, but we should be happy to be going to a bowl game right. at all. You know, whereas they're probably a little disappointed. They didn't get to go to a better bowl game. Right. Uh, no, I agree with you. And the, the, the bottom line is, are the players ready to play on that night? Because so much of a bowl right. game is about attitude. Right. And uh, one thing that kind of goes against Nebraska's favor is that for UCLA, it's essentially a home game, given that it's, you know, mere hours away from where they live, you know, mm-hmm. my, my my town. Uh, so that's definitely a disadvantage for Nebraska in terms of the fact that we're, we're it's essentially an away game for us and a home game for them. Right. Kind of like the constant times Miami and Nebraska played in the Orange Bowl. But, but I would suggest to you, given the fan base of Nebraska fans in the, in the state of, uh, of California and the number of folks that will travel anyway, even though it's a lesser bowl, I think you will find that there's probably going to be about 40% Nebraska, 60% UCLA. I don't think it's going to be a, an overwhelming UCLA crowd. Right, that's true, because I can attest there are a, quite a few Californians from Nebraska <laughs> out there. Yes. Um, so talking just about kind of the 
schemes of the teams in general, I'm trying to recall back because I actually got to go to one UCLA game in the Rose Bowl, which was cool to see. It was the Arizona State game, I believe, which they ended up losing. Um, but I recall them having a running back that was really good, that he, he, he didn't have many breakout plays in that game, but the couple that he did have, mm. he really shined. Right. Um, yeah, they, they have uh, overall great team speed, uh, both sides of the ball. And uh, a lot of athletes, you know, all over the place. But like I mentioned earlier, uh, their biggest issue right now, I think, is depth and the ability to, to have any kind of rotation that they are confident in with regard to their offensive line. And so if we're going to have an advantage, it's going to be in the area of getting, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a good push uh, from our defensive line. And, and really shut them down and make them uh, kind of a one-dimensional team, not let them do what they want right. to do. And if Nebraska can accomplish that, we'll be in great shape. And that, that leads to another one of the uh, you know, pregame issues that, that has been all over the Nebraska media, which is, of course, both of our defensive tackles are guys that were highly regarded going into the season. Both of them, uh, well, one of them had a very poor season statistically because he, he was injured for a great deal of the, of the year, but he's still the kind of big body that the NFL uh, cherishes, and so there's still a, a reasonable amount of speculation that he may seriously consider going pro, as will uh, Malik Collins. That, that's Vincent Valentine. And then Malik Collins is a guy that, that everybody has been all over from the very beginning of the season. He was one of the better defensive tackle prospects coming out of college football. Now, he did not have a spectacular year this year, partially because of the transition to a new defense, you know, learning the schemes, all that sort of stuff, and what they were asking him to do. But he still showed flashes of explosiveness where it's obvious he's got NFL potential. The question is, is it in his best interest to wait a year or go now? And so with all that circling around, the question is, what kind of defensive line player are we going to get from our front four? Uh, if we have a good effort from those guys and they want to showcase themselves and, and they play within the scheme, I think we have a chance to, to do well against that yeah. offense. See, I think um, you get those situations where like a guy wants to kind of save his body you know, in the yeah. bowl game. Right. Uh, but I think that only really happens with guys who like are really good and right. already established yeah, they already know they've they've got their ticket to the nfl you know or are very confident in the fact that they've performed well enough in the season you know with both of these guys i agree with you i don't think their season numbers are that great so to have a late game you know explosive uh series right. i think would benefit them so i i would hope that means that they will play with heart right tomorrow right i agree um, what I was going to bring up is that I agree with you because of uh, UCLA's offensive line issues and our, uh, our, how our defense of play has improved over the course of the season. I think that side of the ball will hopefully be, uh, be under our control. What I'm more concerned about based off of the last game we got to see, <laughs> the Iowa game, defense was o overall quite good throughout that entire game. Uh, but then Tommy Armstrong obviously making all those mistakes cost us that game big time. So... Has he, you know, uh, been working over the course of uh, these past couple weeks and watching that game film to try to rectify some of those poor decision makings and the bad throws, you know, and all that? Or is if because if we get a repeat of the Iowa game, we lose this game possibly badly. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. So a lot depends on how he comes to play that I, day. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I think this game very much from a Nebraska standpoint, if we have a, a path to victory, it is it is through Tommy Armstrong having a very good football game. 
if Tommy continues to be the bad decision maker that he has been for a good portion of this season, then we are likely uh, going to be on the losing end of this game. Yeah. I mean, it really it comes down to that. Because I, I think the other guys will all come to the table. I expect them to play hard, all those things to, to be good, you know. But mm-hmm. but but what happens uh, in terms of ball security and, and good decision-making, those are the critical elements for us. Yeah. Well, and think about ball security, like this season – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we haven't actually been that bad with fumbles. Now, interceptions we've been bad at because once again, Tommy and, right. you know, some bobbled, you know, maybe catches by the receivers and stuff like that. But in terms of uh, fumbling, I don't think we've been too bad. No, we, we haven't been too bad. That's correct. Yeah. It has been mostly the, 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 the decision making and the interceptions and or fumbles immediately after the because he hung a receiver out to dry kind of thing. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's give some predictions here on how this game is going to go. All right, all right. Well, it's interesting. I've seen some of the early predictions, and a lot of people are predicting a fairly high-scoring game. You know, I, uh, I, I've heard a lot of, you know, 40-something to 30-something type of scores and mm. really swinging both ways. Um, I uh, Mostly UCLA's, obviously. Uh, I think that uh, uh, because of the, you know, a couple of weeks, guys, uh, teams have had a chance to, to get healthy, that sort of stuff, and it's a bowl game that, 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 that frankly, doesn't have a lot at stake. You right. know, uh, I think that the coaching staffs are going to feel free to to throw throw everything but the kitchen sink out there because they got nothing to lose, uh, right. other than to you know give things a try. So they want to make sure that their offense looks fun, that their defense looks fun for from a recruiting standpoint. So I think right. both teams are going to be super aggressive, and I expect it to be a high scoring game as well because of that. I'm I'm going to predict uh, like a uh, a 42 to um, um, Let's see, forty-two to twenty-eight type of score. Um, okay. And um, but to which team? Yeah, <laughs> and, and and which team is almost exclusively driven by what uh, what the quarterbacks do? Both quarterbacks. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to say Nebraska. I'm going to be optimistic All and right. say Nebraska. Cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say up front that if I mean, like I said before, if Tommy plays like he did in the Iowa game or close to that. We lose this game. It might not even be close. So I'm going to go in with the presumption that Tommy, maybe he doesn't play his lights out, but he plays good. You know, he doesn't yeah. make mistakes. He completes right. passes, you know, what we expect of him to do. Right. If he plays like that, I think we win. And I'm actually going to predict a, um, a slightly lower score. Probably wise. Presuming that, uh, <laughs> thinking that it, that our defense will have success against their offensive line. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that ends up being uh, 21 UCLA to uh, 38 for wow. Nebraska. That's still a, a dominating victory. It's interesting that we both choose that, you know, because uh, to be honest with you, if you had asked me two days ago, yeah. I probably would have flipped it. I, I really would have. Yeah. It would have been the same score. I'm going to say 35. Yeah. I'm adjust mine just a little yeah. bit. So I'll go yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is I, I, I just – I, I am of the opinion that these last couple of weeks hopefully will have given them a chance to get in sync and to really be sharp and fresh, and so they will be efficient offensively. Mm-hmm. Now, both of these teams can come out and just look sloppy as all get out, and it will be a terrible uh, game, yep. you know. But, you but never uh, know. that's why bowl games are so hard to predict. I mean, uh, you know, participated in the bowl uh, mania with ESPN and all these different things, and the bottom line is it blows me away. How many times you're completely wrong? I mean, Utah State uh, just got absolutely hammered by Akron, 
and, uh, and you know already in this bowl uh, series. Uh, what was another one? Oh, Temple. Temple played. Who did Temple play? Oh, um, Toledo. Uh, Toledo and Toledo crushed Temple. And Temple was a very highly regarded team all season. Every, I mean, having you know almost beat. Well, they beat they beat Penn State and they beat some other right. teams they're or nearly the, beat some in the other top teams. Top twenty five. Yeah, top twenty five. Fabulous season. And uh, Toledo, without their head coach, okay, who who had went to another job, still comes out and just rocks the world. So right, you just don't know yeah. what's going to happen. That just brings up. This will be a short tangent but um in that one tom osborne interview that we talked about on previous podcast with that radio show um he got to talking a bit about some of his strategy and i think um who was it there was a coach who he like took advice from bobby bowden bobby bowden in terms of um should the should the players practice during that first week of uh between the first after week the regular after the regular over. season, right. right? And Bobby said, "No, just let them, you know, go and have fun, you know, and relax a bit, and then come back, you know, the second week when you start practicing more." Right. And uh, Tom did that for a few years and saw his players not play as well in the bowl games. Right. Kind of decided that you did need some, so he said, like, you know, two maybe two practices during that first week, and then you know three or four by the second, and then by the third week you're back to full, full practice. practice, right? And and that was. Uh, you know that sounds like not very much, but when your game wasn't until January first or whatever, you had a whole another week, so you were still practicing full on for like two and a half weeks or more before the game actually occurred. And you're exactly right. Tom's point was with his offense specifically, with a power-based, option-based running attack, where so much of it was uh, precluded uh, or established through timing. Uh, that it was critical that he continue to have and maintain that timing. So taking a week or a week and a half off, like Bobby Bowden could do with his passing offense, pass-based offense, was not something that worked for Nebraska's power uh, and run option-based offense. Right. Okay, so now we're going to move on to predicting some of these other games. Okay. And we'll start with the... uh... We'll start with the playoff games. Oh, okay. We're so go top, top to bottom. Yeah, why not? Because uh, I have them written top to bottom, okay. so that helps. Um, so the Michigan State-Alabama game, that's a game that is very near and dear to the hearts of the people here in Michigan where we are currently sitting. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, my heart says, my, or my, my brain says that Alabama's going to win that game, but my heart wants MSU to win so badly. Mm-hmm. I really, I really want to pick them. Right. Right. I don't know. Well, um, you know, again, you, you've got two great defensive teams. Right. Okay. And you have two offenses that have potential and have been explosive at times, but have also looked and struggled at times. Uh, Alabama mm-hmm. has certainly struggled at times, and they seem to find themselves late in the season primarily by just being an, an enormously run-based, power-based offense where, where they rode Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry mm-hmm. for 40 carries a game kind of thing and just let him carry him to victory. Uh, right. and, and even then, they were still barely winning you know, in these various games. Uh, but they were dominant physically and, and in terms of time of possession and those kinds of things. And I suspect they're going to try to do that to Michigan State. Now, the reality is that's, that's playing in the Michigan State strength to some extent because their defense tends to be very good against the run. Um, and, and their weakness is, is defending the pass a little bit more. That, similarly, Alabama's is the same way. I think, uh, again, uh, no surprise here, the, the critical thing for Michigan State is how does Connor Cook play? Mm. If all other things happening the way they likely should happen in terms of performance, the decision of who wins the game is going to be based on whether Connor Cook plays like he did at times in big games in the past where he played at a very high level 
or you know he's been banged up especially late here in the season uh, how is his arm is his right. arm healthy and 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 does he have the zip and the velocity on the ball and is his decision making sharp or is he rusty and still throwing the ball a little a little yeah. peakedly yeah, uh, throwing high yeah, in every game he was throwing high at the beginning of the game in the Iowa game which I watched the, all the way through he definitely had some missed passes that were open yeah well they were protecting him in the Iowa game there's no question his arm was hurt pretty badly frankly and they were they were asking him to do only limited things which is why they kept trying to throw all those little short dink and dunk passes to keep him from having to throw hard very many times right now my, and no they've said nothing about the fact other than just he's got a sore shoulder well what does that mean so i think that's the huge critical thing it, it, i believe that if if, uh, if they come out and connor cook plays well in terms of his velocity and, and decision making I think Michigan State will give Alabama everything and then some, okay? And so then the, then the chance for a Michigan State victory is, is absolutely there. But if Connor Cook doesn't do that, I think I think Alabama's defense will swallow that offense up whole, man. Well, here's what I think. Um, more so than, like, does the offense score points when they have the ball, which is obviously still important. But I think even more important than that is uh, – controlling time of possession i think that will be very critical in this game because we've seen in the past that when uh when alabama um when offenses are having lots of three and outs and so alabama's offense is getting the ball back defenses get tired out because they're a very physical team you know and that's how they've worked with derrick henry you know he might have very little success in the first half but in the second half that continues happening you know the defense starts to tire out and then he starts blasting through guys correct so i think it's a 60 minute game yep so i think that that is the most important part of the game um, because if that happens with M- msu's defense because i think they're good enough that they can hold off that running attack for a while but if they're driven too hard eventually they'll break late and alabama exactly. will win um which is why so I'm going to go ahead, like you, I'm going to say that uh, Connor Cook does play at least decently well, you know, and executes the offense, and they're able to stay out on the field for a reasonable amount of time. Uh, so I'm actually going to predict an MSU victory. I'm going to go for that. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, let's say, like, 21 to 17. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game uh, for sure. I would agree with you on the low-scoring game thing. Uh, and uh, I would have to say that, like you, my heart is very much with MSU. I think they have a very good chance, but they certainly are going into this game as the underdog. And I, I, I'm going to need Nick Saban to, to make some mistakes here. They're going to have to have a turnover. We're going to their quarterback's going to have to. You know, their quarterback has not played exceedingly well this year. That right. quarterback's going to have to make a couple mistakes, and if he does, I think Michigan State takes advantage and wins the football game. Yeah. Um, uh, a similar score. However, I don't expect that to happen. <laughs> I expect with, with all the time that, that Nick Saban's had to prepare this team and knowing the kind of coach he is, uh, he's never lost to one of his, one of his uh, previous assistants, and D'Antonio is a previous assistant under Nick Saban. So mm-hmm. I, I suspect that that's going to continue, that trend. And regretfully, I'm going to predict a Alabama victory, 21-17 for Alabama. All right. Sorry. That's not I, I mean, that Honestly, part of me thinks that might happen too, but I want my score to happen. So I get go for it. it. I do too. Oklahoma-Clemson, other, the other playoff game on uh, New Year's Day. Or New Year's, it's, I guess it's New Year's Eve, isn't it? New Year's Eve. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, I think th- this is just going to be so interesting to watch because I think this could be very much the opposite game, a very high-scoring game. Absolutely. Opposite of uh, well, the, the, MSU, it's, it's interesting that the matchups, you've got the two uh, 
kind of power-based, pro-style, uh, defensive-minded teams and MSU and Alabama playing each other. And then the, the opposite of that is the high-flying, you know, zone read, uh, you know, quarterback that's athletic, running the football for both Oklahoma and, and, uh, and Clemson. Yep. So yep. it'll be interesting. Yeah, I know. So with this, this one I'm a little, I'm not, I'm not sure because, I mean, Clemson's obviously has been, you know, I feel Number like, one. yeah, I feel like they haven't, they've never struck me as being like, you know, they have all these amazing plays and they're clearly the number one team and they're just blowing teams out of the water. They don't seem quite like that kind of team, but they're just extremely consistent and they don't make a lot of mistakes and they execute their game plan very well. Right. Um, and they have a great quarterback, which certainly helps with that. Yeah. Um, where, and then with Oklahoma, I feel like they've been a little bit more back and forth. Where, I mean, the Texas loss was a very ugly loss for them. Right. But then they have had games where they looked dominant. Like they, they were a, you know, the number one team in the country. Right, you right. Know? And, and it's all about their quarterback uh, play as well. When they, uh, even late in the year there, they had a game where, uh, you know their starter uh, played early, and they get they blew out to a huge lead and were just completely yeah. dominant. Then he got hurt, and and the other team practically came back and won the football game. Yeah, and so they cares. they are so quarterback centric. Yeah. And yeah. so as a result, uh, I believe that that Clemson. I think that has, was the TCU game. Yeah. Is that what it was? I think so. Okay. It was either that or Baylor. I don't remember which. But but bottom line is is that. You know, um, Bob Stoops has got a lot of history. He's played in a lot of these situations, and Clemson's kind of new to the new to the party. Okay, this is their right. first foray into this kind of stage. Okay, so you kind of wonder how they're going to handle it, how their coaching staff is going to handle it, that sort of stuff. But Dabo Sweeney has shown himself to be a guy that's really grown up and matured as a coach and, and his staff as well. So I'm actually going to go with Clemson in this game myself. I think Clemson's just the more complete team. I think that they have more diversity of what they can do, both offensively and defensively. I think uh, Oklahoma has looked great at times, like you say, but then there have been some other times where you just scratch your head. And so mm -hmm. I, I, that, that you know, Jekyll and Hyde, that's the part that keeps me away from picking Oklahoma. If they, if they come out and play the way they did at their peak, there's nobody beating Oklahoma. Right. But if they even show a half of a, of a game where they're playing that inconsistent football they did at times this year, I think Clemson beats them. So okay. I'm going to go with Clemson, but I'm going to say it's going to be a very close game, like 42 to uh, 38. 42 to 38. All right, I'm going to just kind of for the sake of uh, um, creating some separation here, I think I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I do. I think it's very close. There's a part of me that, thinks that Oklahoma's like running game and their physicality is a step above Clemson. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if that's reality or just my perception, but um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma and I'm actually, I think I'll go even higher. I'll say it's going to be a, um, let's say 52 to uh, 49 victory. Holy for Clemson. cow. Holy yeah. cow. hundred points scored. Yeah. Let's go Woo! for it. I'd love wow. it. That would be a fun game to watch. Yeah, it would. Uh, and then the, the obviously sets up a national championship with that contrasting style. So you're going to have right. the two similar styles for these semifinal games, and then you're guaranteed to have a contrasting style for the for yes. whoever wins those two games. Yes, which I think will make for a very interesting matchup no matter who it is. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we have another one of the games, uh, the Rose Bowl, Stanford and Iowa. Mm -hmm. um, this will be an interesting matchup. Uh, listeners know that both 
uh, my dad and I were kind of down a bit on Iowa, especially after we, Nebraska, played them because, I mean, the only reason we lost that game really is because our quarterback was playing horribly. Mm -hmm. You know, our defense was holding off their offense, you know, and so they didn't look – they looked kind of like how we thought. They looked like a team that was really good at executing their game plan and didn't make mistakes, but not that exceptional, you know, not having those many explosive players. Good, solid defense with some great players on defense like they're in their secondary. Right. But then in the uh, Michigan State game, they played – with a very good Michigan State game and held their offense back, you know, pretty much almost entirely up until that, you know, mm-hmm. big fourth quarter uh, mm-hmm. drive that Connor Cook had, right. um, and then their their uh, their offense also, you know, uh, managed to you know drive against MSU's very good defense and at least get some you know field goals and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but they got a they got an interception. I mean, you start looking back at that Michigan State Iowa game and and they got some uh, you know. Uh, Cheap scores, let's just put it that way. Right. Right? Uh, so their offense didn't really do all that much against, uh, right. just like they didn't do much against our defense. Right. Right? And Similarly. So, yeah. So what but, do you think about Stanford? So basically what I'm saying is that I have a higher respect for Iowa now yeah. than I did sure. earlier in the season, but I still think, especially given the way Stanford played in their uh, in their championship game, where their their uh, Heisman candidate was just absolutely off the charts good, um, and I don't know if he'll duplicate that kind of performance uh, in this game, but I feel like uh, they are definitely the better team. I, I'm very I confident absolutely in that. agree. So I think we're going to be in agreement on this one. Again, I, I am not sold on Iowa, uh, and if a team ever just plays at a at a high execution level and doesn't basically gift them opportunities, I think that team dominates Iowa. And uh, regretfully for the Big Ten, I think this is the case. I, I actually think uh, Stanford wins this comfortably by about 21 points. So I'm going to say, like, uh, whatever that would be, about 14 points for Iowa, and uh, uh, what would that be? 35, 35 for uh, Stanford. 35. Okay, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to say Stanford wins. I'll say it's a little closer, because um, I do think Iowa's defense is pretty good. Um, so I'll go in and say it's a 28-14 mm-hmm. uh, victory for Stanford. I still think they win. I think Iowa plays... Uh, Plays with them, you know, through the first half, and then maybe in the second half, Stanford pulls away. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Notre Dame, Ohio State, another another great, great match. Yeah, great, great game. I'm looking forward to. Um, I do. Uh, part of me wonders with Ohio State, and I know I said this um, about one of their other games, and I was wrong about it. It was the Michigan. It was the Michigan game. I was wondering about coming off the loss to MSU and them getting kicked out of the top four. If that was gonna you know, caused them to kind of take a step back as a team, and it didn't, and they played lights out in the Michigan game. There is some worry about that here, too, because for a team that was, you know, in that number, the number one team, you know, for so long, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there certainly must be some disappointment amongst some of those members of the team that they're not in the right. final four uh, in the playoff game. But at the same time, you're playing in a very big bowl game, and you're playing against a very good Notre Dame team, you know, who they have some history with. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, if basically if the players come to play for Ohio State, I think that will be the key in the game. Because if they don't, I think Notre Dame wins. But if they do, I think Ohio State has a very good chance of winning. Right. Well, and I, I look at Notre Dame's season, and you know they lost to Clemson in a close one, one that you could argue they should have won against Clemson. They lost uh, at Stanford. Okay. Right. Um, and so, and we know Stanford's a good football team, but I look at Ohio State's roster, and 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 maybe I'm starry-eyed. But I just think that they have so much talent 
and, and so much going for them. And, and especially if JT is playing uh, well, then they're a very hard team to stop. And if uh, their running back is running possessed like he, like he was against Michigan, uh, then I think they win comfortably, frankly. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I actually think that Ohio State's going to struggle a little bit with attitude and, and readiness. Um, I think uh, uh, Coach Meyer's going to do everything he can to, to get that team ready to go and, and focused. But I, I think uh, uh, Brian Kelly and the, and the Irish are going to do the same thing. Uh, and they have a young quarterback who's really rising up the ranks right now, starting to get better and better every week. And all this extra practice time is going to do nothing but, you know, increase the steps for him. Mm-hmm. J.T. Barrett, on the other hand, is a guy that still kind of finds himself in the throes of a of a battle back and forth with with other quarterback, uh, um, you know, at Ohio State. And uh, and I think he's we've got enough data on J.T. at this point to know that he has some limitations, uh, particularly as a passer. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Brian Kelly is, is able to put his defense together, then it'll be uh, an interesting game. However, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's still going to be Ohio State that wins it. I think it's just going to be close. Okay. Okay. Um, I pretty much agree with what you said there. Um, given how, because I was in the Michigan bar, actually, when I was watching the Ohio State game, so I got to see the disappointment on their faces as Ohio State was running all over them. So we clearly know they have the talent to have that kind of performance. Um and Notre Dame's obviously a very good team too, but I still remember, I forget who they played. They're playing like a kind of a nobody team there near the end of the season. I was in a bar watching them, and that was the one where they fumbled the ball like four or five times, and it was like they really did not yeah. look like a... Boston College. That was it. Boston and they College. didn't look like a top you know, no. 10 team in that game, certainly. Exactly. So I think they are prone to some mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm going to say I think Ohio State wins it, but it's close. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say it's a uh, 38 to uh, 35. I'll wow. go for that. Okay, I'm going to go 38, uh, 38 on OSU. I'm going to go... No, no, no. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little lower than that. I'm going to go, uh, let's say, uh, uh, 35. We'll just go three lower. Uh, but then I'm going to say 21. 21. So you think mm, it'll be a little more dominant. Not, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I just have a question. Uh, do you always... Uh, are you always at a bar now that you're out there in Los Angeles? <laughs> well, I do, on weekends I try to be. I watch the games. I know. That's, that's what makes it fun. I think it's funny. All okay. Right. God, Father, I'm son here. Alcoholic. Dad's getting worried. <laughs> Man, no, okay, don't you be saying that. You've been telling me to go to more sports bars. If anything, I haven't been going enough for your, for your taste. All right. Oklahoma State Ole Miss. Um, I think this is an interesting matchup because there are two teams – uh, that both definitely uh, struggled mightily in certain games. You know, Ole Miss had some uh, bad losses, and Oklahoma State also has had some. Uh, when they went up against legitimate competition, Oklahoma State hasn't looked the greatest. Right. Um, I, I want to say a couple of things, though, for you, because you may not know this. Um, um, two of Ole Miss's best defensive players are both out for this game. Okay. okay. Uh, a dominant defensive lineman and a dominant linebacker. Brothers who are both in um, uh, problems, let's just say, off the field issues. Right. Um, and uh, and, and the, the loss of those two players, to me, is going to be significant in uh, what Ole Miss is able to get accomplished here. So mm-hmm. I wanted you to be aware of that as you were considering your final decision on your. Uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of take the lead on this just because I, I, I'm pretty sure you didn't know that. But yeah. 
Ole Miss is a team that has been very up and down, obviously winning, beating Alabama, only team to beat Alabama. But if you remember that game, there were some crazy things that happened, a, a, a real surprising you know, a bounce of the ball that led to a, a long reception touchdown that gave them a substantial lead. They kind of caught Alabama flat-footed early. Alabama's secondary is absolutely their weakness, and, uh, and uh, Ole Miss was able to take advantage of that early. And then Ole Miss had the defense to, to create some fits for, for Alabama, and Alabama was still trying to find themselves offensively. They, they hadn't locked in on that power running game quite so much. And mm-hmm. so um, I think the combination of those two things uh, allowed them to have that early success. But then since then, since that Alabama game, I, I consider Ole Miss kind of a, 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 a middle-of-the-road SEC team. If you look at how they played and the victories uh, that they had and what the scores were and just how they performed as a team, I just don't think Ole Miss is all that in a bag of chips. So I, I believe that Oklahoma State – has a great opportunity here to make a statement. The question is, does Oklahoma State show up? Oklahoma State's a team that similarly ha- had it rolling, baby. And then at the end of the year, their their schedule was very backloaded with their biggest games, and they they, they went, fell one all of apart. Two, one of two, in yeah, games. yeah, one of three or one and two, one, of, in, one and two, one and two yes. in those three games. Yeah, yes. and so I just kind of question whether they have the heart. You know what I mean? It's, so it's an attitude thing, right? So I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Oklahoma State's going to win this game because I I think Ole Miss is really going to miss those two defensive standouts. Hmm. Okay. Well, what's your score then? Okay. For this one? So I'm going to say it's going to be high scoring because that's what's going to happen with Oklahoma State in the game. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, Oklahoma State uh, 40, uh, 45, and Ole Miss 35. 35. Okay. Um, I'm not. Sh- yeah. I've. Obviously, I didn't know that, so I'm not uh, as well-versed in terms of information on this game. I'm going to go ahead and go with Ole Miss, though, purely on the point of what you were just talking about, you know, Oklahoma State's heart and the fact that, you know, I mean, I watched that Oklahoma State-Baylor game, yeah. and uh, and I was rooting for Oklahoma State because they were the ones on the previous podcast I had predicted they were going to be the ones to win because I thought with them having the home team advantage and all their big games, that would help them out. But they did not look very good in that game at all. Uh so I think if Oklahoma State struggles, I think Ole Miss can capitalize on that. So I'm going to go ahead and predict a little bit of a lower scoring game. I'm going to predict that Ole Miss ends up winning it. Um, let's say uh, 38 to uh, 31. Let's go right. with that. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. But all, right. all of those so far, great matchups. Oh, yeah. Games with interesting storylines and discussion. Heck, even the Nebraska-UCLA uh, game, for being a game of inferior teams, frankly, and Nebraska, as you say, probably not deserving to be in that game and just being lucky to back in, uh, right. uh, it's actually a compelling matchup, you know, and yeah. should should draw some eyeballs from, from yeah. college Well, fans. I think, you know, one of the beautiful things about the bowl game system is it's, you know, capitalistic. You know, the Bulls want to get the best matchups, you know, of the teams available that they can. So right. it's in their best interest to create those dynamic stories, you know, and to choose teams that travel well and all those sorts of things. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, this is an interesting one. Michigan-Florida matchup, another matchup between the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, and with the uh, Big the Big 12 or the Pac-12 in the Big 10 matchup before Stanford-Iowa. I think we both went with Stanford. And this one, I'm going Big 10 all the way. 
Uh, I think Michigan, even though they lost badly to Ohio State, I think the Michigan is still a very good football team. And I am not confident at all in Florida, especially their offense. They're mm-hmm. just so inept on offense um, in their last couple games that I've seen them in. I think Michigan State. I think Michigan wins this game. I think they could win it big too. Mm. What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, I'm also going to pick uh, Michigan to win this football game. But there's two things that that cause me to be hesitant, and and I would say it, uh, it's going to be a closer game than what you're suggesting. The, my two reasons are number one, the game's in Florida. Okay. True. And and so it, it, there's going to be a, a decided advantage for the Gators in terms of the environment. Um, and the comfort level, uh, and having been a Nebraska fan and following Nebraska during all those years when they were tied through the Big Eight with the Orange Bowl, when you go down there and you're you're battling in that humidity and, and heat that is often associated with with uh, that area, it, it definitely has an impact on your players. And then the second thing is is that Florida is a team that defensively, like Michigan, is one of the best defensive teams in the country, and so they're going to find a way to stop whatever you do well and make you go to option two, three, and four. And, uh, uh, and, and I just I, I don't know if Michigan right now, in terms of maturity as an offensive system and as a team, has that third and fourth gear the way they will in the near future. Right. And, uh, and I think that Florida now has had a month to prepare for this game and to figure out whatever it is that's ailing their offense because their offense was doing okay when they had their quarterback. Now their quarterback is gone and they've got uh, this guy they're going to be living with. Right now they're kind of struggling. They don't have a quarterback that's that's getting the job done for them. But, uh, so I, I will agree with you that Michigan will defend them well, and, and I believe Michigan will end up winning, but I think it's going to be closer. So I'm going to suggest to you like maybe a uh, uh, you know, 27 to 21 type of victory for Michigan. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I'm going to go – I'm going to say that I agree with you that Florida's defense is legit, um, that they'll slow Michigan down a bit. Um, So I'm going to say 31 for Michigan, uh, but I think – I do not – even with that extra time, I don't think Florida's offense is going to be able to compete against Michigan's defense that is good. Yeah. It's a good defense. Uh, So I'm going to say it's a uh, 31-14 game i think that's good that's a good call by you yep and then the last one i don't i might be wrong on this i have northwestern tennessee they're also on that that's uh, outback bowl new year's Uh, day mm -hmm. okay um that is an yeah that's an interesting game um northwestern's another one of those kind of up and down teams like they looked really good early in the first half of the season um and then they they tripped up against some of their tougher games um, but still one of the better teams coming out of the Big Ten, to be certain. Um, and then Tennessee, obviously, similarly, you know, had some uh, big big yep. mess-ups in big games as well. Right, right. Tennessee's a very young football team. Uh, a lot of talent that's young and is maturing and getting better. Uh, and so that's the part that, as a bowl game, you wonder what's happening there. Um, my inclination is to, is to often go with a team that has that youth because the youth is more likely to be listening and um, and uh, and if they're physically gifted, but maybe just haven't quite fully figured it out, they're going to make the biggest jump and improvement, right? And and Tennessee is just a very young and talented, uh, athletically talented football team. They've recruited very well. Uh, Northwestern has recruited well, but not to the level of Tennessee. Right. Northwestern's a better coached team, in mm-hmm. my opinion, than Tennessee at this point. But I think Tennessee is going to out athlete them. And this is one of those things where the Big Ten SEC matchup 
falls in favor of the SEC, in my opinion. And even though I very much would like to see Northwestern win this football game, and I and I and I'm fond of Northwestern's football coach, uh, I I think that uh, like ha- happens regularly with with his teams, they run up against uh, a juggernaut they can't quite match athletically, and they and they lose the football game, but mm-hmm. in a heartbreaking kind of fashion. They'll hang in there. They'll find ways. And then uh, Tennessee will get them in the end. So I'm going to say it's going to end up being like a, uh, a 27 or 28-24, excuse me, type of victory for mm. Tennessee. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking similarly. I think Tennessee does have the edge athletically, um, and I do think Northwestern's good enough to hang with them. Uh, they, they, yeah, this is one of those games I could see going either way, but I think I'm going to lead towards Tennessee as well. I'll go ahead and say. Um, I'll go a little lower. Why not? I'll say 24-21 uh, victory. Okay. Very interesting. So we we were similar in, in, in many ways, just a couple that we flip-flopped on, like the USC, uh, I mean, see, excuse me, uh, uh, MSU, uh, Alabama game, and then uh, Notre Dame, uh, Ohio State, I think, was also one we flip-flopped on a little well, bit. Nope, nope, we're just different scores. Yeah, so, so different okay. scores. Okay. All right. So, but uh, bottom line, though, is what a great slate. Yeah. Of games. I, I'm curious to get your uh, immediate insight into the whole process. This is year two of the college football playoff committee and their decision, which which influenced pretty much all of those games except for the Nebraska uh, UCLA. UCLA one. So yeah. all of those we just went through. Uh, you know that that slate was pretty much created as a result of the work of that committee. What mm-hmm. do you think about how they're doing that? Uh, you think there's some some things, some flaws that are starting to get exposed, or do you well, still like what they're doing? I mean, the only thing I would really say was that I didn't. I thought Iowa was overrated. You know, I didn't think they were the number four team in the country. You know, even though they they had wins against top twenty five tier opponents and they hadn't lost, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, up until the Michigan State game, I thought that they weren't. I mean, I thought like Notre Dame, you know, and some of those Ohio State, some of those teams that got ranked a little bit below them were better than them. Well, and, and that's based on your eye test, you believe. Right, right. right. But, but when the team uh, like Notre Dame has two losses and is not playing a conference championship game, how do you, right? going into that, you know, uh, situation, how do you choose any differently than they did? No, I mean, I agree with that, you know, and I guess that gets into that question of, like, how much the – eye test should matter which versus the, versus, versus the other things which the eye test is the one that's hardest to gauge because that's not a statistic that's right. just you know people's impressions of watching the games and stuff right um so i mean I, overall i'm definitely very happy with it i think it's made some for some great matchups uh part of me was kind of wondering you know obviously the reason that michigan state ended up jumping to that number three spot you know they jumped to number three and then oklahoma was number four um, you know, and I went into the reasons why I thought that that was, you know, a good choice, I think, on the last podcast because you know, Michigan State beat a very good Iowa team and Oklahoma didn't play anybody that week, you know, right. so it kind of makes sense for MSU to jump them. I, part of me wonders, though, how much of that was them trying to create compelling matchups because, like we've said, you know, now we kind of yeah. have this interesting, you know, power-focused team matchup versus this spread team matchup well, and then uh, they're... The, the guy who represents the committee... Okay, right. who was the Arkansas uh, Long, his name is, uh, who's the Arkansas uh, AD, absolutely clearly indicated that that was not at all what they discussed. That, that that did not even come up in any of their conversations. Now, whether or not that might have influenced the vote of the individual members of the committee and they didn't verbalize that to anybody, 
there's certainly always that possibility that they were thinking in terms of those matchups. You know what I mean? Right. That's certainly possible, but I don't think it's likely. I think they were pretty uh, forthright in, in their discussions and their dialogue because they have to be. If they're if they're holding back those kinds of subplots, you know, I, I think that, that other weird things would be happening too. So I'm of the opinion that they really didn't do that. I, I think you genuinely look at Michigan State's body of work after the conference championship game in which they beat an undefeated Iowa team that was ranked whatever they were, third uh, going in um, uh, or fourth, uh, was a much more compelling victory than any victory that Oklahoma had uh, achieved. So when you start to look at, at Michigan State being a team that had one loss in the last seconds to Nebraska uh, versus uh, who was an ugly, that's an ugly loss, certainly, but no more ugly than the Oklahoma loss to Texas. And then you have the, this, this uh, combination of, of beating Iowa and beating Ohio State. Okay, uh, uh, that's huge uh, right. at Ohio State, I believe, too. Right. So, I mean, those two victories had to loom large in terms of just the resume part for, mm-hmm. for uh, Michigan State. And then, and then uh, you know, Michigan State was playing with, frankly, a backup quarterback, and they beat o- Ohio State. And then they played their starter hurt. It was obvious that he was hurt. I mean, anybody who knows football knows that they were kind of protecting him. Right. So for all of those reasons, I think it was easy for them to move Michigan State ahead of Oklahoma. I don't really think it necessarily – it it frankly created the matchups that that maybe are interesting to talk about, although I would have loved to have seen the opposite. I would have loved to have seen Oklahoma play Alabama because we've seen that a, a few times recently, and Oklahoma beat Alabama badly. So it would have been a, a bit of a, a rematch game in a, in a major bowl for uh, Nick Saban and, and Bob Stoops. So right. there would have been tons of storylines that way. And so I don't know that they had to do anything to manipulate that yeah. matchup. Yeah. I mean, when you're dealing with teams of those that caliber, any matchup you come up with will be compelling in some way or another. Right. I, I actually, uh, to give you a quick summary from, from my perspective, I think this college committee process has worked out extremely well. I've, I've liked the way they've done it. I like the way they kind of throw out everything from the previous week and try to revisit everything and not have a memory of the previous week or project what's going to happen in the future weeks. But they also have to look at... So what it says to me is being undefeated still matters a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay? Conference championship games are going to continue to matter a lot. And so, you know, the Big 12 is still going to be compelled. It sounds like they're on their way to getting... Uh, getting the uh, rule changes to allow them to do that uh, with the NCAA, you know, assuming some other little catches don't get in the way, which frustrates me a little bit because I think if I'm a Big Ten uh, president or athletic director, I'm not happy about that uh, because of the history that the Big Ten had to go through. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, and not because of Nebraska, because Nebraska wasn't part of the Big Ten during that time. It's irrelevant to us. But for those that have been in this conference a while, I'd have been pissed. Uh, yeah. But other than other than those possible NCAA things on the horizon, I think what they're doing and how they're going about it is outstanding. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely happy with it, and it is you know created compelling matchups here at the end of the season, like we just talked about, and it's great that like you know we we look forward to it. You know, on Every Tuesday, yeah. you know, you watch that that selection thing, and you get to have Jeff Long, right, yep. is his name, come on, and they the ESPN guys ask him questions about okay, why did these guys shift, and you actually get to hear a human response to that versus, you know, the old BCS way of doing it. Blind. Yeah, all these computer polls and the other polls combined together. Right, it's all black. Right, it's nice to be able to 
hear that, you know, and that creates some discussion and diversion because, you know, not all humans agree, obviously. Right. So there's that eye test thing, so that comes into it too, but it's nice that to have like a, a human face that I could say, okay, X, Y, and Z are the reasons why these two teams right. shifted. And you can disagree with it as much as agree with it, but at least you know their logic and, yeah. and what, what what caused them yeah. to arrive. At Transparency. And, exactly. And, and what you hope is is that the messages and the things that they hold in high regard stay consistent over time. And so far, I feel like they've done that. Now, now each year is different, and it kind of depends. I'm, I guarantee Iowa was a was a was a difficulty for them. It was very much a difficulty for them, much like last year's uh, uh, Big Twelve championship right. situation was a very difficult thing for them to filter out because of the, the the things that they had identified as a priority. And as long as Iowa kept winning, it was hard for them, hard for you to ignore. Uh, the fact that they were playing against a, a, a soft schedule and weren't, weren't beating teams of uh, you know top 15 variety, um, they uh, you know they they won the games that were in front of them, right? Right. And so at some point you have to start giving them credit for that, and that's right. what they did. And then they let the games play out, and and as as likely uh, or I shouldn't say likely as what normally happens, they got beat. Right. right. Somewhere eventually. along the line, they eventually had to face somebody. Right. And 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 they got it done, uh, yep. and they lost to Michigan State. Yep, yep. So. so yep, I'm very happy with the committee, and I hope that it continues this way and that it stays at four teams. You know, we've Me had too. lots of discussions about that, yeah. like how you know I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but we don't need an 18 playoff because the conference championship games are essentially our pre pre games. Yes, our first round of the playoff. Right. You know, in many respects. Right. Yeah. Which is the why exceptions I, are the Big Twelve. Right and, and then, Notre uh, Dame, yeah, you know, an, an independent, obviously, right. like Notre Dame, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what's great about the conference championship games. You know, mm-hmm. if the, if the Big Twelve were to pick one up, then that would become even more so, right, of a truth, right, All absolutely. Right. Well, right. exciting here the next uh, week or so. We're gonna have lots of great football to watch. That's right. Yep, we're gonna be definitely doing a podcast sometime after the. Uh, the Nebraska game to kind of break down what ends up happening there. Right. And uh, we'll obviously do podcasts on the big, the New Year's games after they're over. Right. Talk about our impressions of what happened. And then we can kind of preview the national championship game as well on that yeah. podcast. Bingo. So if you, right. if you guys out there enjoy this podcast, you can email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. We're College Football Throwdown. We're also on uh, Podomatic. Uh, we're footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can find our uh, podcast there you can give us ratings and reviews you know uh, like leave... us uh, so that you'll get reminders about uh, the next time we do a podcast yeah subscribe to us you know you can leave comments on the page if you want to talk to us directly we always love hearing from you guys so thank you for listening out there college football fans and go big red go big red go big red